Ahoy and welcome to the Mojo Podcast, part of Mike's Open Journal. Here we're going to be talking about mental health and that includes all things illness, wellness, stigma and support and most importantly some of your very own personal stories. We're going to be covering projects, campaigns, starting conversations and mentioning some of those tools that have supported your well-being. I want to say thanks for being part of the podcast, whether that's as a guest, as a listener, hopefully as a subscriber. I'm Mike, and while I'm being mindfully mindless, hopefully myself and my amazing guests will be able to show you that you're not alone out there. Thank you for being part of the Mojo Podcast. These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. So I told everything and her face dropped. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can't appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds, and the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. And I think people realise how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. Not only did this help me to write it, Mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, And then they want to talk about it. Hello and welcome to the Mojo Podcast. I hope you're having a great week. Hope you're looking forward to this episode 174. Today I am delighted to be joined by a returning guest. Emily is back with us to talk about beet eating disorders and the recent publication It's Okay to Not Be Okay. It was really cool to sit down with Emily earlier, well I say earlier this week, last week now have a little bit of a catch up and hear a bit more from Emily about what's been going on for the last year since she was on the podcast. So it's really great to catch up, hear a little bit more about her and I hope you enjoy this conversation. As always, if you would like to come onto the podcast in the future, you can find out all the information over at mikesopenjournal.com and then there's the guest page, the way you can find out about how the recordings are done. Um, and the type of conversations and questions and things like that 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 we have but yeah if you've got any information any questions any thoughts please do get in contact I think a a big part of why the podcast continues to run is because we have so many amazing new and returning guests that are willing and happy and passionate about sharing their story and their experiences with mental health sometimes that's illnesses sometimes that is successes Sometimes that's recovery, sometimes it's tools, sometimes it's projects and campaigns. It can be anything and everything related to. So I hope you enjoy this episode. As I said, this is 174. We are cracking through them. I feel like maybe we should do something for episode 200. Not too sure at the moment, but we will uh, we'll have a little think about that. But yes, I hope you enjoy this episode. As always, the links are at the end and in the show notes if you want to find out a little bit more about Emily after this episode. Here you go. So yeah, it's really nice to to have you back, Emily, and to have a chance to to sit down and catch up and well 
thank you for going back and working out that it's been almost a year um but yeah it'd be really interesting to i guess initially just hear kind of how your how your last day or how your week's been and what things are like at the moment for you um so similar to last year so my last last day i've been having another drama rehearsal because i'm doing uh, another production thing tomorrow wow. um well not production as such i've got to go and perform a poem that i've written about mental health um at my local ice bedford so that's kind of an event every year for speech and drama and music and you will perform and um you're in classes of different categories and there's kind of like adjudication and yeah so um i've done that the last couple of days because i perform it tomorrow night so okay. I'm, I'm a bit scared but a bit excited yeah. that's exciting. so what kind of uh what, what is the expected audience for that what sort of things are going on um so it's gonna i think it's gonna be mostly an adult audience um young people um because mm-hmm. it's what's the word i'm looking for it's kind of your own poem that you've written so it's okay. a class specifically for own poems that people have written mm. and then they get adjudicated on half of it of what you've written so the content and half of how you deliver it oh okay i went to uh something similar a little while ago however they had they split it up so there were um authors of the work and then they had uh like I don't, I don't know that they were, but performers that then read the work, yeah. um, and that was a what did they call it? A spoken word event. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, it was really interesting. It was very. Um, I, I imagine it's quite different when you're performing your own work, because there's an element of, I guess, distance when it's an actor or a, um, what's the the posh word for a theatre person um a theater person <laughs> um <laughs> i really should do that um kind of performing somebody else's story um yeah. and reading that out um so it must be quite uh i don't know not necessarily a challenge but quite an emotional moment to to share your story in that way yeah definitely and i think it's also been really expressive for me in the last year to write it as well because mm. again it kind of I've been having quite a few ups and downs, so I think it's been really helpful for that purpose as well. Mm. So, and I suppose yeah. kind of touching on that on that writing side kind of naturally leads us into um, some of the stuff that you've been doing over the last year. I'm sure there's a lot of, of other things that have been going on, but um, the It's Okay Not To Be Okay kind of collaboration book um, and all of the work that y- you've done and that the other authors have done around um, that particular project. It'd be really interesting to hear a bit more about that. Yeah, so that was, um, oh, blimey, that's a year, nearly a year as well already. <laughs> so we, um, yeah, we obviously launched the book. It was in, we handed in our final submission in August and the book was ready and published by the first week of October. Um, which was very exciting. So we've, yeah, we've really been on a journey. It's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's kind of taught me a lot about lots of different people, I think, with mental illness, mm-hmm. because, mm. you know, obviously my chapters kind of focused on those masks that we've spoken about in the last sort of year. And yeah. it's kind of, 
kind of focused on that journey and kind of what I felt behind those masks and you know and how that's made me feel and kind of what my journey of recovery feels like so yeah that's been really powerful what was it like kind of obviously this is it's a great opportunity for for people to get an insight into uh, a few different people in a different uh different experiences but to be part of that project and know that you kind of have that opportunity to share parts of your story but it's also going to be part of a, a collaborative project and there'll be kind of exposure for other people as well i think definitely i think kind of it's opening up the conversation on mental health you know in all areas not just kind of experiences of mine with like anorexia and eating disorders it's opening the area yeah. up of kind of like bipolar and suicide and depression and PTSD and, you know, factors that influence that, like domestic violence and trauma. And, you know, there's even another author in there that shared about losing her mother to suicide and how that's yeah. led her to mental illness. And it just, I don't know, it just gives an account of, you know, of different people in different backgrounds, you know, in different areas of the world. And that actually, no matter what background you're from, what race you are, what religion or, or what type of person you are, anyone can be affected by mental health. And mm. that it is okay to not be okay because I guess society assumes that, you know, everyone, if they're out and about, they look fine, they look normal, they look happy and healthy. Actually, there's so much more to it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think there's a big, a big side I really like as well that um, I think particularly in the last, I guess in the last sort of six months to a year, um, I've seen a number of people that have shared their story online come up against um, kind of negative comments and criticisms and things like that. And actually, I kind of feel like there's a real place for... Um, either collaborative projects like the book that you've been part of or um if it's kind of it's just one person as an author that has an element of kind of short stories or short parts to their experience because i think you can have that time to sit and read a book and reflect on it rather than feeling like you need to instantly comment when sometimes i think if you're trying to share that story by social media or by kind of a traditional blog um there is that element of you get that instant feedback from someone or they don't sit back and kind of reflect on or maybe even reread some of the things that you've put that you I don't know I do with a book is there's a bit more reflection there's a bit more time given to the content um I guess I don't know if there really is a question there just um I guess what it, do you have an insight on kind of the difference between sharing your story online and um, as part of a, a book definitely I think kind of if you compare the two I think with a book you can go back to it many times if you want you know it's mm. like it's always there what's the right word I'm looking for kind of like more visually than maybe if you mm. by the time you log on online and look up sort of certain things with mental health yeah I think you know when you pick up a book it's kind of it's just like the title page or you know an introduction it's just in front of you and the words just kind of I guess jump out at you yeah I think it's oh, I don't know that 
like you say, a visual or physical thing that the fact that you're holding it in front of you and that you can kind of pull it down and come back to in I mean I might be I might be wrong here, I might be making generalizations, but definitely for me, I know it's just something that I feel like is a bit more of a I'm gonna have regular opportunities to go back and check that rather than something that's online I will probably read once. Um, and there might be an element of kind of skimming that because I've not got much time whereas with a book I'm gonna read it properly but it might take me a a longer period of time to get through it but I'm still gonna sit and read it so I think it is um, a really important thing to reflect on particularly with uh, stories that relate to mental health particularly illness um, to have that opportunity for people to reflect and read and take a moment to actually acknowledge the stories that are there that are often going to reflect or um, have symptoms maybe that relate to either themselves or someone around them which is in all likelihood why they've picked the book up in the first place Um, so I think having that time for reflection is really important definitely and I think you know there's been like certain people that I've give, like sold the book onto and given gifts of books and what mm-hmm. have you you know particularly I've had a friend um I'll keep her anonymous but I've had a friend that's kind of read half of the book so far and it's actually then made her stop and think about her own mental health mm-hmm. and how some of these stories actually she's made sense of her own symptoms and her own feelings from mm-hmm another person's perspective because then actually she realizes that she's actually not alone and it's got to just fucking think i think it brings that as well to people yeah it's almost like an element of kind of validation isn't it i guess that actually yes this is a thing that i'm struggling with other people have also struggled with it i can if i need support there's a form of support that i can look into so um i think that is really important and it's also as you said earlier an opportunity to forward some of those conversations i know in the last year you've done a few bits with um kind of fundraising and awareness raising for beat as well um how's that gone over the last kind of year because it seems like you are um kind of quite proactive with the charity i think definitely i think you know um sort of especially in the last kind of like six months beat particularly helped Mm. me have a lot because I recognise that things have been pretty difficult in certain areas of my recovery and sort of, you know, there's been kind of, I guess, like when I describe a roller coaster, it's kind of been a few setbacks and a few drops in, but actually I've kind of, you know, I've had the support of Beat to kind of pick me back up and actually make me realise what I'm feeling is normal in recovery and that actually, you know, it isn't a straightforward line because, I mean, if everybody's recovery was a straight line and no blips and no drops and no sort of setbacks you know we wouldn't have charities or support needed I guess yeah I think it is that I don't know for me personally I think it's seeing that growth of people like yourself that are promoting not necessarily services I'd say more support the support that's available to people that are from yeah from my experience pretty much 99% charities um and they do need that support with fundraising and things like that but it's also just making people aware that they exist and that there is support that is often or sometimes available for free um 
so to make people aware of that i think is really important and does um often rely on like i say people like yourself to to share that because when when they have limited funding i know from from my own experience that when a charity has limited funding the, the last thing on their priority list is marketing and um printing off resources and sending it out to people there is that reliance on hopefully people will talk about the the benefit of us um so there is that real need i don't know if you feel is that something that kind of you felt a responsibility to do or you've seen a growth in or if there's kind of anything striking over the last year in that regard i think kind of a really big thing kind of with the i'm from getting the message out is that you know beat do this every single day in their work that anyone can be affected by an eating disorder and that you don't have to be alone with it and i think mm. i'm kind of especially from the book and um, i've had a few local media releases about the book and about eating disorders awareness week in the last sort of couple of weeks and you know when the book went out my local paper put something in and i think especially living in guernsey you know everyone's so quick to pick up on things like that in the paper mm. in a good way um mm. I've had quite a few contacts come through my website now as well because Beats on the web on my website. Oh, and, nice. and as a result, I've been asked to kind of go into like infant and junior schools to kind of raise awareness and like, you know, spot the signs early of eating mm. disorders and mental health and body image and self-esteem. And there's been a few businesses that have also then emailed me to say, can you come in and share more? Mm. And I think it's just getting everybody aware that this service is there and that beat is there because you know i think the stigma that still comes with eating disorders i was speaking to somebody about it you know sort of last week at an event i was mm. thinking about and eating disorders Wednesday, and this guy just randomly came up to me and he just said well you know if someone's got an eating disorder surely you can tell from either if they're skinny or they're fat and you think that's just not the message of it at all because anyone of any age background shape size can be affected by an eating disorder because it's a mental illness yeah i think that's maybe do you that's quite a i would interpret that as a very um yes historic and slightly uneducated view of an eating disorder um which would probably have been my view maybe five years ago um and i think do you see that as a side of um, kind of our, our, I guess, our social responsibility to raise the level of awareness and education around kind of eating disorders and the perceptions that people have? Definitely, because I think if we can make everyone aware of what an eating disorder actually is, you know, and what and what they are, because they are a mental illness, it's a way of coping, it's a way of, I guess, like dealing with things in life you know we all have our own ways to cope with life events you know challenges and kind of everyday life we all have a way to deal with it and some people you know I guess a message I've sort of said shared with people with eating disorders is that it is a way of coping because it's one of those things that you can control in your life and you know it's kind of if you can control it you probably think well actually that's something I can use to cope with life but it can have such a detrimental effect in either way and you know it's just about going it's about educating people that it is a serious mental illness and it can have devastating effects and I think 
you know, it's about trying to implement that as soon as possible because, you know, as soon as someone shows a sign of an eating disorder, you need to get into treatment, mm. you know, and that's a big barrier because people just stick to the physical side that, oh, they don't meet the weight criteria, they don't meet the BMI, they don't meet, you know, the kind of symptoms that we would expect in, you know, any issues with food would should be addressed as soon as they're shown because earlier intervention means people can get last on a full recovery without a relapse and a quicker recovery. Mm. And with that side of, I guess, sharing um, personal stories and kind of raising the awareness of what is actually like for people, have you seen kind of that, um, I guess, that change in people as and when you've shared your own story? Definitely, I think because obviously when I last sort of spoke to you as well, I've mm. obviously spoken at a conference since then, and I'm speaking at um, two other conferences later this year. And I think, you know, when I started speaking a bit about eating disorders and kind of my feelings, and um, I spoke at my local health show this year, and I'm then speaking at two other conferences. Actually, you know, when when I talk about eating disorders now and missing and kind of what I went through and what I, I mean I still go through it now you know I'm having to kind of challenge that in my recovery at the moment mm. and just so many people come up after and a couple of people just said that actually that makes sense and that actually a lot of people have then said well they think they might have sort of, you know an eating disorder from what they kind of experience and what they feel and their symptoms and you know, it's then actually making people talk about their own struggles, which yeah. is really important because these are secretive illnesses and everyone's doing their damnedest to cover it up and pretend everything is fine. And I think sometimes you just need someone to go to and go, actually, I've noticed the difference and that something isn't okay and that you need support. And that's starting to be seen a lot more now where, in sort of where I live and kind of from talks I've done and upcoming. Mm. And I think it's also made me stop and think about my own recovery as well and kind of areas that I still recognise that I've got to address and face up to in my recovery. Yeah. And if if you're happy to share some of it, what what has that looked like for you over the last year? Oh, good grief. Um, it's definitely been, like at that roller coaster I kind of described, there have been a lot of downs and then there's been a lot of ups as well. But it's a kind of, you know, through talking to me and my regular support, I still get from them. It's actually, I think the biggest thing for me is I'm aware of my triggers. So I'm not, when I talk about this mask, like last year, I'm mm. trying my hardest to not just mask things when things are difficult. And I'm actually confronting my emotions and confronting my feelings and confronting my triggers and kind of actually what's going on in my own head. Mm. And although it's a bit scary and a bit terrifying and you know it's kind of like I guess eating disorders you describe it as like a little voice in your head and it's kind of that voice that you need control of and it controls you in a way it controls you and for me it's taking back that control as Emily and not the eating disorder mm. and I think I'm having to challenge that every day at the moment because you know I have been faced with quite a few barriers and quite a few challenges in the last sort of six months particularly and I think it's having to be honest with those people before those barriers get in place, I guess, and before I just bottle everything up so that it doesn't take me back to my old ways. Yeah, I think there's 
I, I always find it quite insightful when people like yourself talk about their recovery and it's not uh, I say it's not it's most of the time it's not about stopping those symptoms actually it's so much about understanding them managing them better and like you talked about kind of having that voice as well it's not about stopping the voice it's about understanding it lessening it um, making sure that you have that element of kind of control and management and I think for some people that's a, a huge reassurance that um, actually it's just trying to improve where you are right now um, and that, that recovery is a is often a long journey and we're just looking to get you on the path and that's the most important thing definitely and I think kind of the biggest thing that kind of be always sort of like get you to imagine in your recovery as well and think about and you know I share this a lot with people with eating disorders now mm. but it's about kind of and I still do it every day myself just getting a big piece of paper and it's about kind of saying what would the Emily voice say in situations and what would the eating disorder voice say and how mm. you can challenge the two mm. but if that makes any sense yeah yeah um i in some of the training i've done before we've talked about um uh uh, it's not analyte kind of the uh i don't want to say judging but essentially judging trying to sort of say like okay so um we're not going to pretend like that suggestion or that thought isn't there okay that thought is there now what is the evidence for and against that what is there to support that thought or that action um and what is there to argue against it um i've also done some stuff that's been about um sort of the potential outcomes from things okay we're not going to rule anything out anything is an option but each thing we're going to consider what are the positives and the negatives and then do we still want to do those things so there's so many different tools and approaches um and you've mentioned a couple already as part of your journey and part of the talks um that you've done within um workplaces and education and groups and i think that's the that's the importance that people come forward and attempt to access help as soon as possible because there are a lot of tools and the first one you're offered or you try might not be the best one for you um so it is about allowing yourself time to find your own tools and your own support and your own journey as well Definitely, and I think a, kind of a lot in talks that I do now and a lot of awareness raising, I kind of get people to think about their own kind of toolbox, if that's the oh, right yes. word yeah. to Yeah, toolbox. And it's about, you know, when you think of a normal sort of toolbox of like things to fix things, like practically, you know, mm. you've got different kind of instruments in there to fix certain things and kind of make certain things better or solve a problem you know in their logical way but it's actually a toolbox for kind of eating disorder recovery and anything with mental health it's about putting things in that toolbox that might help you in certain situations and certain triggers because I think a lot of people with eating disorders do have a lot of triggers and I you know mm. I, I, I face up to that a lot at the moment and it's like actually what can something work in that trigger so maybe you know the trigger might be something that you've had to deal with in a therapy session and it's actually then what can you do to manage that and cope with that, that makes mm. sense? I don't know. no yeah no it makes perfect sense and I've heard the, the toolbox kind of quote or phrase quite a lot but you added a really nice visual to that and I think that's a really important one is that 
well especially to me as a male i like a nice visual thing um it's that side of um not just having a toolbox of things are these are the things that support me you mentioned there actually there are different tools for different things um so at different times you might need a different tool so it's not about saying oh this will never work it's about maybe it's not the right tool for you right now for this purpose but it might be useful in the future so you kind of add it into your metaphorical toolbox um so i really actually I, yeah i really like the visual of that i think that's a really good um explanation i think people will be quite receptive to that um always like a nice visual yeah um <laughs> makes things simpler for me <laughs> yeah. um, so i think for me it's it's looking at again these this conversation leads to you picking up like oh, i've now got oh that's a really good example i can go away and i'm i say i might i definitely will be using that in the future um do you think more people are picking up those kind of odd tools and tips from just day-to-day conversations or is that not quite happening as much yet i think it's slowly happening i guess i think you know i don't kind of judge everyone's journey and way of thinking i think for me Hmm. it's about giving those options to people and saying you know you've got to figure out with the with support of course if you need it of what tools work for you because not every tool that's the same for some person might work for someone else Mm. because we're all different in our own way and we all have different ways of things that help us and things that might not help us Mm. I think it's you know it's about making that aware and important I guess because we're all individual we all have skills that help us we all have techniques that help us with managing sort of I guess with eating sort of recovery there's certain things that work for some people and there's certain things that don't work for some people and it's about getting that balance right I guess Mm. Mm. (coughs) and if people listening did want to find out a little bit more in terms of well there's a few different things if they wanted to find out a little bit more about kind of eating disorders and support where are some of the good places you'd recommend people go to find out about the support that's available the information that's available i mean definitely there's beat you know the beat website because it's it's just amazing because it's just got like you know whoever technically creates websites is a genius i have no idea (laughs) um and i think on their website they break everything down into sections so there's kind of like you know signs and symptoms of eating disorders there's kind of types of treatment that are there to treat each eating disorder that might be options and it's Mm. kind of about there's different recovery things, so there's recovery stories, and then there's kind of, you know, things to think about in recovery. There's support for carers and parents and people supporting someone with an eating disorder. You've got, you know, links to online support. So I use a lot of online support from B. So they've yes. got different support groups. So there's like, there was one earlier that was called the Nest, and that's like an, a support group run by the Beat Helpline, and it's kind of directed by sufferers. And anybody suffering with any eating disorder joins that group and it's about sharing those experiences openly and talking about it. It's all moderated by BEAT to make sure that we talk about these things safely. Okay. Um, not in a triggering way, I guess. I don't really like that word. But I think, you know, it's about making sure that we keep each other safe and that we don't say things that might affect someone else's eating disorder recovery. So it's moderated by beat because they're the experts and you know they they know what they 
is safe and what is important to share and what might not be so helpful. I suppose it's having that person that's able to look at it from the outside of outside of the story or the journey I guess um, and able to like you say just to moderate that rather than lead the conversation. Definitely and then you know they to the nest is the open group and then they have specific groups for carers for siblings supporting somebody with an eating disorder and then there's groups designed for anorexia so there's um, called the dove um, which is for over 18s and then swan which is for anorexia so then the beat helpline then look at specific sort of things to focus on in those groups of like maybe kind of how we manage social environments with eating disorders um how we manage like recovery and triggers and kind of again what toolbox skills can we use and how we can build up our toolboxes to support us and things on like how to get the right treatment and kind of what that might mean so yeah cool and if someone wanted to find out a little bit more about the it's okay not to be okay book where could they go to find out about that so my website is now launched as well which has taken a hell of a long time and technical things and <laughs> you know it's still still a work in progress but we're, we've launched um thanks to my you know amazing website designer i'm glad she knows what to do because i would have absolutely no idea yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so I've got a link on there about the book and um, my just giving for money to raise for beat and my email address. So if people do want to order, they can get it directly from there. And again, you know, the, on the website, I do, I am going to sort of include some more now as well about eating disorders and kind of the work I do and some of my story, because I think, you know, even if you're still experiencing it and going through it, kind of hearing from other people, I've kind of found that when you know, when I'm having a really tough time in recovery, I can look at recovery stories on the Beat website and then mm. actually, you know, somebody sharing something in their recovery that, you know, that they've experienced or felt or gone through in treatment, you can look at that and go, that makes sense. Yeah, I think there's a big thing. I think quite often we sort of fall back on numbers and statistics and go, oh, there's one in four people or there's one in 10 people or however many people. Yes, there's lots of people that are affected by symptoms and by illnesses as well. But to actually hear um, or read a personal story, um, I think really resonates and makes us, makes us, helps us to accept. Actually, yes, there are real people going through similar or other situations and struggles and successes with with mental health illness as well. Rather than just go, oh, it's one in four people or however many um i think those um personal stories and personal journeys have a really really important play to supporting people and making them feel a bit more accepted recognized valid um and and knowing that you know there are setbacks as part of recovery but there are also some really huge successes which um i think the book is it is a really big success in that it's going to reach a lot of people and, and provide a lot of support and hopefully will signpost a lot of people to the support that they might need or be interested in finding out a little bit more about as well I think definitely because I think kind of especially in the talks that I do and kind of the work I share and the awareness of beat and how they support me and all my other kind of journey I think you know kind of sharing your own experiences and your own ongoing experiences it kind of 
offers that hope, I guess, to people mm. that they're not alone, that they're not going to be the only one because there's so many people affected by an eating disorder and by a mental health problem. And, you know, anyone can be affected, any age, any background, any gender. And I think, you know, it's about making people realise that they're not on their own because a lot of people sadly do feel like they're on their own. Mm. Mm. That can be really hard. And if people want to find out a little bit more about yourself, Emily, where can they go kind of website and social media wise? So they can go on the Twitter for my sins that I still use. <laughs> <laughs> Literally just, yeah, Twitter, Twitter's taken over life a bit at the moment. <laughs> so it's a, so definitely on there. Um, so on my, uh, what's my Twitter thing? At Emily4993 and that's all lowercase. Um and then there's my website, which is www.emilynuttall.com. And then there's my email address, emily at cwgsy.net. Cool. That gives us a lot of links, lots of different ways for, for people to find out about you, but also the book and Beat as well. Yeah, um, definitely. Because I think the more we share, you know, I think actually kind of just in my own sort of journey like because obviously I share a lot about masks and mental health like we spoke about last time yes and I think I still you know I still share a hell of a lot on that now kind of in the talks I do and even tomorrow like with the poem that I'm sharing and I think you know it's just such a common thing that people realize that actually a lot of people can wear masks that covers mm. mental health because I think it can be a good safety thing if you know, if you're not in a great environment to share your struggles, it can be that protective bit, and it's trying to not let it be, you know, that protective for too long, if that mm. makes any sense. Mm. I have no idea. But I think it's about, yeah, making sure that, making people aware that we all wear masks, we all cover feelings, we all have different emotions and thoughts and behaviours, and that's okay because we're human. Mm. I think we, I think... We kind of got to the stage last time where we were talking about the idea of um, having that acknowledgement that, like you say, there will, all, there will always be times when we are wearing these masks, that we are playing certain roles, but kind of the importance of having time to relax, to um, kind of refresh and actually take off our mask, even if it's just with ourselves, um, and to have that time to reflect and kind of step back from from, from the roles that we are maybe playing either at work or with social groups or with family um, and the demands that are often there with everything that comes with modern life. Um, but yeah, having that time to, to step back as well. Definitely, because I think the biggest message I always give to people, it's about you know, it's so important that we have conversations openly about eating disorders and suicide and mental health mm. and that, you know, we reach out to helplines like Beat and Action for Children and Samaritans and Mind and Papyrus and that actually that, you know, people around us in our society take that time to just sit and listen because the power of listening is just huge. Mm. And I think, you know, like we discussed last time about the alternative therapies, so for therapy dogs, you know, I'm still, you know, it's one of those things that I still do and it's amazing. And I think it's just, you know, something works for somebody like that because 
sometimes you just need that different, you know, different way of coping mm. and that different because, you know, like I said about the therapy dog, if you can't talk, the animal senses something and you can just have comfort and it's even from writing and, you know, like writing the book or writing a poem, which I'm sharing tomorrow and, you know, journaling, it's the art, it's the self-care, it's like mindfulness, it's a really big one, meditation, just those things, you know, it's something that we can, little things that we can do every day that doesn't Mm. have to take much time, but it's so important that we do because so many people, you know, need to take that time for themselves each day because life can be really stressful. And I think um, that's really right to reflect on on the importance for people to take a break. And you have mentioned the therapy dogs. So I think I feel like that's a lovely point to finish <laughs> because I can't think about anything else now. <laughs> so I think, yeah, just envisage, just envisage just St. Bernard's called Martha that literally is just about three times the size of a human and just gives you fluffy cuddles and slobbers you and hugs you and then... Yeah, and just literally makes you all day. And, you know, I'm, I'm seeing her tomorrow, so I think that's kind oh. of... I get my morning with her before my I Stedford poem that I'm terrifyingly yeah. going to share tomorrow. That's um, a nice, nice intro to your day. I think definitely. I think that's the first thing I've got in the morning. Um, and I think, you know, it's just, you know, a lot of these things are so important for people because that's sometimes what you really need in recovery. It's reminding yourself of those little things and those special things and those important things and I think that helps me to take my mask off and realize that I am stronger than anorexia and my mental health and that I am stronger than my feelings. Yes indeed thank you so much for for coming on and for sharing uh, your your experience over the last year and for giving us an update on all the different things that are going on so yeah thank you for coming on and sharing that. That's brilliant. And hopefully, you know, thank you as well, because, I mean, just doing these podcasts are amazing because people just, it reaches so many people and so many people relate in their own way and connect. And again, it just gets more people talking. The more we can get people talking, the more like hope and help we can offer to people and the more sort of ways forward in recovery, because, you know, we can end that stigma and, you know, we can make a change and that there is hope of recovery and that's what we remind people every day with eating disorders that you can beat it because there is proof from not only like training and but people sharing lived experiences and you know it's just holding on to that when things are really dark and really difficult. These are not real people, they do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves, I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. So I told everything and her face dropped. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can't appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds, and the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. I don't think people realise how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. 
not only did this help me to write it, mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it. 